Rejoice, rejoice, it's trivia time, the best time of the year. Plus, motherfucking mercenary mentality. One person succumbs to the fear while another embraces it. Alliances are forming fast. An aggressive game of pool is played. Advantages are quickly nullified, and Nehemiah goes full Brad. Literally, it's the challenge. All-Stars 2 episode 4 recap coming up right now. Welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future. If it's happening in the Challenge universe, we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated Challenge Historian, Jacob Hallwell. Thank you so very much for being here today. Whew. On the podcast today, we are talking, of course, everything All-Stars 2, Episode 4, yet another wonderful entrant into the world of All-Stars. It feels like they're literally like near perfect with these episodes across basically a season and a half at this point, maybe one or two partial duds during season one, which not a shot at all, rather a compliment that is hard to pull off. The impressive run continues with another fun-filled episode of All-Stars, very much due in big, big thanks, large part thanks to Trivia, the best challenge of every single season, at least for us, the viewers, and for TJ, the host, his favorite game, our favorite game, maybe not so much the cast's favorite game, but that's too bad. All the entertainment for us, that's what they're getting paid to be there for in the end, right? We will get to that trivia challenge and all the rest via the following format for this podcast episode. First, we will do our Cliff Notes recap. As always, everything that went down as quickly as we can. Follow that by a breakdown of any storylines or moments that personally I just feel like discussing because I'm the only one making the rules here. And then on to the awards before ending with our updated power rankings and season-long predictions. With that, time to go into motherfucking mercenary mode and get this shit done. Let's go. Cliff Notes recap up first, everything that happened in this action-packed episode coming at you as quickly as we can. Here we go. Three, two, one, and we're off. Back in the house, and Derek is feeling great with two friends holding life shields. It feels like his alliance is sailing smooth. Speaking of that alliance, it is solidified further when MJ, Darrell, and Kahuta chat and confirm that the three of them, plus Brad and Derek, that's the five guys going to the end in their mind. Problem is, Nehemiah and Letarian heard those boys are talking and are building an alliance of their own with the two of them, Tech, Steve, and Melinda all in tow. Derek and Nehemiah then play a very intense game of pool that features next to no pool being played, just a bunch of vague threats being made against one another. Nehemiah, once inspired by Derek, is no longer. To the daily challenge we go, and it's called Bright Skies, which is pointless because it's trivia, baby! That's the only thing it should be called. It's trivia. Standing on a ledge 25 stories up, there is a male round, there is a female round to decide one winner and one loser of each gender. TJ, ask a question with multiple answers. Someone can't give one of those answers. They fall 10 stories. They are out first to fall, goes straight to elimination. Last to stand is the winner. Ladies go first, and Katie doesn't even make it to the first question before needing to quit out of fear, accepting with that the fate of going into elimination. Eight very fun questions later, it's down to John A versus Casey. Name the Harry Potter books, and John A gets a little too confident, doesn't keep track of which they've said, and loses on the seventh and final book to be named. Casey wins her first ever solo daily challenge, overcoming her fear of heights in in the process. Boys go next, and Brad, who has been on one, probably 
almost every season with someone of the 32 people who have won two or more season gets that question wrong, and he is the first eliminated. He's going straight to the arena. After nine questions later, it comes down to Letarian versus Steve, and our hand model Steve gets the victory, claiming power for himself and his alliance. Back of the house and strategy session held between Steve, Nehemiah, and Tech to form a plan to get Derek into elimination. At nominations, Casey is willing to go along with Steve's plan to put Jody and Kahuta up, forcing them to use their life shields on themselves so they can then replace those two people with the names they actually want, a.k.a. Derek. After the dust settles, it's Ayana and Kendall on the female side, Derek and Tyler on the male side. Nominated at the selections, Katie makes it known she is pissed that Kendall's name is up there and that Steve wasn't looking out for her like he promised. She would rather Ayana instead of Kendall. She gets Ayana. Derek makes his argument, but it gets him nowhere. He is going in versus Brad. At the arena, two individual matches are held playing. Wait, there's more. Transfer 1,000 pounds of sandbags across the arena into some holes to lift up your puzzle. Once your puzzle's up, you finish the puzzle first to do so wins. Katie and Ayana go first, and they both beast the weight. They get all the, all the weight moved. They get to the puzzle at nearly the same time, and Ayana pulls out a narrow victory. She's now 2-0 on the season and a gracious winner yet again. Brad versus Derek in a heavyweight showdown follows, and it is borderline exactly tied going into the puzzle. They finish the weight at literally almost the exact same second. At that puzzle, Brad makes quick work, gets the victory. Derek and Katie, they say their goodbyes. Brad and Ayana say hello to Life Shields, and that is where the episode ends. Whew. All right, a lot, a lot, lot, lot went down there. That is everything that went down. Now, let's rewind back to the start of this and comment on certain portions of it, some of the more interesting and fun and the storylines and the moments and all that good stuff that we feel like talking about. Let's move into the segment on the storylines. Let's talk our major storylines in first, of course. There's only one place to start this discussion, and that is with trivia, the daily challenge. Usually we wait through the the daily challenge, the arena, the sporting events, if you will, a little bit towards the end, but we've got to start with it. It's the bulk of the episode for good reason, as it always should be. Trivia is the one daily challenge that I think almost every challenge fan unanimously would be okay with taking up the bulk, if not the entirety of an episode. Honestly, I would have watched a much slower version of this one. I would have watched a much elongated version of this one. And I think even those fans that are kind of like, hey, just, you know, get through the challenges as fast as possible. I just want to see the stuff in the house. They would even agree that trivia is is the favorite one to watch for fans. It's definitely the favorite one to host for TJ, clearly, but maybe not so much to do for the cast. This one, as far as the rating for the Daily Challenge goes, it's an A+. Uh, For trivia, it almost always is. Um, It's one of the games that's at least an A+, is in the realm of possibility. It gets one for this version of it. There have been some versions of trivia that have not worked in the past. Most recently, Double Agents is is a very good recent example of when trivia goes wrong or when they somehow find a way to mess up trivia. But this one might have been the best or pretty close to the best version of it we've ever seen um, or I've ever seen. I I think um, I loved, loved, loved the we're going to give you a question with a bunch of answers and you got to name them off. It both it makes it more fun a little or I don't know, maybe maybe others would feel different. I felt like it was more fun to play along at home. I found myself pausing occasionally and being like, all right, how many can I name before they go? We'll get to some of the fun historical challenge historian focused questions in a moment. Um, 
But I liked that it was a little more fair for everyone answering, you know, sim- the same question at times or for the, the opportunities to be there, you know, like the moment we get with John A and Casey where they go back and forth and they almost get to the seven out of seven possible answers. Um, loved every bit of it. I think this is the best version of trivia they can do. My only note would be if we want to truly get the 10 out of 10 best case ever possible version of trivia is take this these style of questions. Um, you can take this exact. I'm sure they had a bunch more questions ready. Just take the same set, do them again, but give everyone two misses. I think it's much it's I mean, I know they're trying to make it go fast and whatever, um, and they're expecting a lot of correct answers, but I always do like it a little bit better when there's when you get a chance to not just miss once but twice. Um, so I'd say maybe make that adjustment. And then final thing, not for the game itself, but for from a viewer standpoint, you know, oftentimes in the trivia, especially when it's spelling uh, based when it's spelling instead of trivia, but we still kind of call it trivia. Even if it's spelling in there, they always show the answer on the screen for the spelling as the people are saying them. I would have really, really loved to see the answers on the side of the screen to all of these questions. I guess maybe that ruins the whole playing at home concept now that I'm thinking about it, but maybe you flash them at the end. So if dummies like me wanted to pause it and be like, oh, how many, what was the actual answer here? You could. Yeah, obviously most of these things are things you can look up fairly easily, um, but overall, it's an A+. plus. It was wonderful. Um, let's talk a few different categories here within the trivia. First off, uh, we mentioned a lot of historian, challenge historian-focused questions, so obviously someone like myself very, very much enjoyed those. We had what were the 17 elimination names, what were the 13 individual winners of the challenge, the 32 people who have won more than one challenge title, the countries that have hosted two-plus challenges, all of those very, very wonderful, all of them fun questions, and those were the ones I found myself paused and being like, all right, let's really test my historian chops here. Let's see what we've got, and didn't do as well as I would have thought on the elimination names. I really struggled with that one. Surprisingly, individual winners, I can get 12 or 13 without looking up. I'm, I'm missing someone somewhere. 32 people have won two or more. I think I could probably get into the 20s on that. And then countries have hosted two plus challenges. I forget how many he said there were, uh, but don't think I would have got as deep in that one as I would like to think I would have been able to. But all of those are very, very fun historian focused ones. And I think I will look up the full answers and maybe even add those to Instagram stories. So head on over to Instagram if you want to play along and test yourself and see the answers to those. I will try in the next day or two to post some of those on my Instagram stories at challenge historian. Then the thing we're all here to watch trivia for, the funniest wrong answers. I would say there's three, two of them that were very, very funny, and then one, uh, again, my my background and things that I nerd out to might have made it all the more funny, um, but the one, the two standouts, absolutely, without a doubt, are Janelle saying Denny's as the first answer. It would have been one thing if, you know, five answers in, she threw out Denny's. Denny's is, a, is one, delicious. Um, and uh, there's plenty of Denny's around uh, more. It's a little more regional than national, but I'm pretty sure that you can find one most, most almost national across the country. There's plenty of locations, but saying it first has the biggest chain restaurants like, Come on, McDonald's is right there. Um, you know, so many, so many answers I would think would come to mind before Denny's. Maybe Janelle just loves loves her some Denny's, which good on you. Again, absolutely delicious. But uh, that one found myself very much laughing at that one. And then MJ, poor old MJ, 
has a slightly, I guess it's not that troubled of a history. He missed a missed the spelling question way back on duel two, but he has had a moment that I'm very surprised they did not play of when he says in confessional, you know, this is the most embarrassing moment ever. I just said new Orleans was a state, which was by far the, you know, if we're going to go the meanest and say the dumbest possible answer, or the most like, what the fuck are you thinking? Answer saying a city instead of a state is certainly one of those moments that they're trying to make happen in these trivia. So they got one, but MJ says it's the most embarrassing he's ever been. But if you recall back all the way on dual two spelling, uh, trivia version spelling contest, basically MJ got pulled off. It was pretty similar, you know, strapped up to a height and you drop set up and he made what were described by he himself as the sounds a dead seal would make while falling out of the sky. And it was absolutely incredible. And I thought for sure, the moment he got that question wrong, I was like, Oh, they're going to show that. And they're going to play that. And they did not, but maybe I can get that up on the Instagram as well. But those two answers were probably, the funniest of the answers, the, you know, Kendall not knowing an SEC school, uh, that's that's kind of a regional thing, or how much do you care about sports? I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not that surprised that someone immediately was like, I don't know, here's a college for you, is that one? But, um, so that one, that's one. Nehemiah, The Mission Impossible 4, I personally, as a big action movie aficionado, thought that was hilarious and just was set up so perfectly if... You are like, what was so funny about that one? Let me fill you in a little bit here. There are six to date, six Mission Impossible movies with a seventh one on the way. So Nehemiah was completely set up to be like, all right, I don't know. Someone said Mission Impossible 1, 2, and 3. Let's just go with Mission Impossible 4. And the problem with that is that the first three Mission Impossible movies are actually named Mission Impossible 1, Mission Impossible 2, Mission Impossible 3. The fourth movie is Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, and then there's Rogue Nation and Fallout. They got rid of the numbers in the actual technical name, and so that one, on a very much a technicality, uh, I, as a big, big fan of those movies and all action movies, um, found that one to be hilarious. Those were the funniest answers. Felt the worst. I think I probably felt the worst for Tyler and John A. Tyler gets eliminated on thinking Atlanta would be one of the cities with a million plus people. If, if you're, if you don't agree with me that that one would be one where like, you would be like, yeah, I would get that completely wrong too. go ahead. And before, uh, before you actually look it up, try to name the 10 cities in the U S that have a million plus people, and then go ahead and look it up. The population amounts of cities in America uh, or I, I look up at least twice a year randomly because it comes up um, somewhere in conversation because I'm weird and a nerd like that. But it, the list always re-surprises me. I forget which cities that we think of as the, maybe some of the biggest cities aren't actually nearly as big as some of the cities you would never be thinking of, like a San Antonio or a San Jose that are in that top 10 in that Atlanta is not even halfway there. Technically, is like 480-something thousand. And no, I don't just know that. I looked it up before recording this. But uh, felt bad for him because that was that that was one of the trickiest questions I felt like was out there um, as someone who has been tricked by that same question or idea many times in the past. And then John A just got a little overconfident, doesn't pay attention to you know, oh, there's seven of them. I'm going to only have to name a couple here. It doesn't seem like Casey 100% knows. She's, you know, 
says her first answer and is totally not confident in it, but gets it right. So totally get the immediate like, oh my God, I'm going to win. This is amazing. I love Harry Potter. She doesn't know anything. Then you don't pay attention and you forget that they haven't said Order of the Phoenix yet. Uh, that was a surprising end of the one. And I did feel bad for John A, who clearly I'm confident can name all of those, can tell you everything about it. I'm, I'm not uh, disputing her said fandom in any single way. I think she just got a little overconfident with it. Felt bad about that, but good on Casey for pulling that out. Um, and that's pretty much everything we've got on the trivia. Thank you, as always, Challenge Producers, for giving us trivia and giving us a wonderful version of it. Um, so, other storylines. We got two big alliances, kind of two male alliances, although one of them throws in one female, and we can kind of add a couple females to certain alliances just based on where some other pairings are. But we've got one group, one bedroom, basically, Derek, MJ, Kahuta, Darrell, and Brad. Their team, we find that out when MJ, Kahuta, and Darrell have a little conversation, which clearly... MJ and Kahada, you got over getting thrown into elimination pretty quick there with your old pal Darrell. No even mention of that. That's fine, um, but interesting. They've got Brad, Derek with the three of them. And then on the other side, listening to their conversation and then forming or adding to their own alliance is Nehemiah, Letarian, Tech, Steve, and Melinda, basically all in another bedroom. That one feels a little more formed out of necessity that... Uh, you know, Letarian and Tech seem like they're legit like boys off the show, on the show. Nehemiah has kind of joined their little group. Steve is kind of at, added in out of necessity. Not sure. We didn't see anything that tells us why Melinda is a part of their little group um, other than just being in the same room as them. And then on the women's side across the whole board, we don't really totally know where most of them stand if they do firmly stand in you know, either one of those two alliances or in their own little mini alliances or what. We know we've got Kendall and Jody seem to be you know, buddies working together and that they are targeting Tina. We know that Janelle has the you know secret relationship with Darrell that no one else knows that they're actually good friends. We know Janelle and Tyler castmates together. We know John A and Jasmine, Cat Cancun sticking together. So we know some little pairings and whatnot, but a lot to shake out. Going to be interesting if if a bunch of the ladies get together and say, no, nah, we ain't letting two groups of four or five guys uh, run this game and whatever. We we make the decisions around here. Or if one of if all of them collectively are like then we'll just pick one over the other, and that's fine. And, you know, we'll we'll tell that group, if it's Nehemiah, Letary, and Tech, and Steve, like, here's the, you know, us five women will join you, and we have to always vote for one of the other women, whatever. See how those will shake out. But we finally got pretty solid alliances formed and very much, to some degree, based on that challenge two episodes ago now when they had to split up into two teams and where those teams kind of immediately formed very, very quickly, or one of them did, which left the second one to be there. It's kind of the remnants of that. We've got the two alliances. Now, let's talk maybe about the biggest, from an actual gameplay format, strategy, uh, who's going to win this thing, how is the game actually going to go standpoint, huge, huge move and change in the game, and that is that the life shields are now basically pointless. Uh, Stephen Casey, you know, Steve and Nehemiah and I think Tech maybe is who talks immediately after once Steve and Casey have the power and kind of come up with the idea of like, hey, we want Derek, but his friends are willing to save him. So what if we just make his friends use the life shields first and then Derek, ha we can replace him with Derek and then no one can save him. 
They go in, Steve Casey, Casey's like, yeah, I'm down to do that. Happy to get out, Derek. No problem there. And they make that move and they put Kahuta and Jody on the chopping block, bring Kahuta and Jody in, say, do you want to save yourselves? You do. Great. Now we will replace your names. Your life shields are gone. And in doing so, uh, I would assume every single team moving forward just does this exact same thing, right? Because every I don't see almost any scenario where anyone in Kahuta or Jody's position on this episode would walk in and be like, I see what you're trying to do, and no, I'm not going to use it on myself. I'll take my chances uh, with the whole house voting me between the other person. Um, that could happen. That would be very interesting and entertaining if that happened. But I feel like almost every time whoever's in power is going to be like, all right, the two people with life shields start there, just put them up, get them out of the way. And so that just means that the life shield, it does save you. It keeps you, if you win an elimination, you are guaranteed not to go into the next one, basically. Um, but that's it. The advantage kind of stops there and the strategy stops there. This one new new move that I don't, I don't remember the situation ever where they've had life shields before being able to work out like this, where you could do this one little move to kind of eliminate the life shields more or less. So, very interesting strategic play. Hats off to Steve and Casey and, you know, Tech and Nehemiah, who helped Steve come up with the idea. Uh, definitely shakes up the game in a big, big way, and it works perfectly flawlessly right away in getting out Derek, who they want to get out. So that's very interesting moving forward if that will just become the norm, if anyone will try to go against that norm. Final storyline to talk about, the arena game itself. We got to talk about the actual game. They played in the arena. Wait, there's more. My grade for this arena game, I'm going to go with a B of just a solid B. It kind of has a big pro, a big con for one. It is very interesting elimination, and it's a great combination of physical and puzzle. I always love when it's a mixture of the two. All of that's very, very good, but the reason it doesn't score, it can't go any higher than a B is it's just not visually that fun to watch. Um, it's not really entertaining in any way. Um, and the suspense of it isn't a hundred percent there. And so a B is as high as I can go with this one. Still, still good, still enjoyed it. Um, but maybe visually just not as interesting to watch as, uh, other mental physical mixtures could be all four people that go in, they crush it. They crush the weight part. It should be said. Um, and most of them really, even the two that lose are seem to be pretty far along in the puzzle once they lose, but they all crush the weighted part. So this turns into just who can do a puzzle while tired elimination. Um, clearly, as usual, I have questions about the rules. I think I know the answer to my one big question, and that question is are you're, you're obviously not allowed to carry two of those bags at once. I think between, I mean, I don't, I don't know if Katie would have tried, but I feel like Ayana would have definitely tried, and I for sure think Brad and Derek would have tried carrying multiple bags at once, so it seems like pretty clear they were not allowed to, which is an interesting um, an interesting rule to have in there to maybe make things a little bit more even, um, which it turned out to be, uh, you know, Katie finished the weight part, maybe, I don't know, it's hard to tell always with the edit, but I don't know, 20 seconds behind Ayana, 30 seconds at most behind Ayana and Brad and Derek were within five seconds of each other in finishing and pulling up their puzzle. So really came down to the puzzle and Brad, dominates it. Ayana dominates it. They both get it done very, very quickly. And to me after this, I mean, we'll go Brad first. Brad is in the driver's seat by far on this season. To me, um, not only is he in one of the you know big alliances, I'm 
you know, this was as good of a shot as anyone had at getting him out and putting him in an elimination versus Derek. And I don't think he's going to get last in many daily challenges. So this was a big chance for someone, for people to get him out. It didn't happen. And he's clearly physically and anything that takes the physicality, the athletics, he's as good as it gets in the house. Um, on that side, he's proven he's still got the mental part. He, you know, crushed a puzzle here. He's got good relationships in the house. And most importantly, he now probably steals Jody as partner moving forward where Derek and Jody were kind of sitting really well most because of each other's, you know, the alliance they had and the willingness, like we're going to, anytime it's a partner challenge, we're going to be partners. Anytime it's team, we're going to be on team together. I feel like Brad slides right in and he and Jody now match up and uh, we'll talk power rankings later, but with Jody near the top of that, that's a powerful duo. Um, so I think Brad's in the driver's seat by far on the male side of this game. And then Ayana, absolute beast once again um uh, my, my notes for her is she's riding that fine fine line right now of that that confidence not getting into the cocky territory so right now she's freaking perfect everyone's loving her for the most part the only person that's kind of mad at her went home Sophia you know that was whatever it was um but she wins with grace again she's talking up Katie even in, after the loss she's crushing it she's definitely making the other women in the house fear uh, you know, having to face her in the arena for sure. So she is making a name and carving out a very dominant spot in this game. Only concerns is does that confidence ever get crossed that line into that cocky realm where some people in the house might be like, nah, let's 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 keep throwing her in. Or even more worrisome, maybe for her, is is confident as she's being, is all the great, the self-talk and all that's all amazing. Maybe she wants to throw in now when they get back to the house, and maybe she will, you know, this ends right at, they're walking out of the arena. Maybe she throws in, hey, I know I can win any and every elimination. I know I'm going to win, um, but maybe you don't throw me anymore. Maybe she just throws out once or twice, like, I don't want to go in. I'm just going to be confident if I do, but I don't want to because I'm worried she might get pegged as the, you know, what she's already got the she's been thrown in twice so she's kind of an easy vote in that realm of people have already made her mad have already said her name it's always easier to say someone's name once they're said we've seen this season after season if someone goes in and wins the first couple it's very easy for anyone else in the game to just be like well we can just say their name over and over again until they lose because it's a little bit easier of a vote or it's at least a reason for a vote but also if she were to get pegged as the like, dude, she's cool with it. She's not going to get mad. She's not going to like want revenge or whatever. She's going to go in and dominate and it's it, do her thing. And that, that's going to be that you don't want to be the, she's cool with it or he's cool with it person and get voted in another time or two. So she's in a great spot, but hopefully uh, for her sake, doesn't find herself in that you're just the one that beats everyone. So we're going to keep throwing you in spot. That's a tricky, tricky place to be, but hats off to her hats off to Brad. Nice wins by both of them. That is pretty much all we got on the storyline front. Let's, we got a few other things to point out, but we can do so via handing out some hardware. So let's move into our awards section. Four awards to hand out best fit, best moment, best quote, episode MVP on the best Fit front, we have two nominees, and similar to last week, uh, our nominees, the first one is Tech, 
yet again, the, the person who inspired this whole award category, knowing that he was probably just going to end up winning it almost every single episode. But, um, and he is spoiler before we even talk about the other nominees, he, he is going to win. He has this flawless checkered suit going on and, uh, the confessional near the end of the episode. It might've, I might've just missed if it popped up early on. We got a lot of, um, the wardrobe changes in confessional. We kind of hit the part of the season where they've clearly started filming their, you know, next batch of confessionals. And so we see some outfit changes. His pink suit goes to this checkered suit. I don't know if it came up earlier, if it was just the last confessional during the arena, but it was amazing. It looked fantastic. He looked fantastic. He's going to get the award, but the other two fits to point out one of them is actually a group kind of group nominee. And just the fact I kind of got a little bit of a chuckle in the they do the selection process as they're calling it on this season up on the roof they got this amazing rooftop uh with a great view and cabana and whatever um that they don't really seem to use other than for uh the selection process but this is yet another every episode so far they have when they get up there everyone has changed clothes and everyone's kind of dressed up to look nice and I just had this funny moment while watching it today when that happened. They that I was like, do they all? Is anyone be like, oh shit, I'm about to be on TV. I gotta, I gotta like get dressed up for this one. When it's like you're on television the whole the whole time. Like you can if you wear your sweatpants somewhere else. You can wear them up here for selections, whatever. I just kind of found had a little moment of thinking like, I bet they all like really purposely are like, we got to get dressed up for this. This is like the beginning of the night. Um, found that funny, and I should say actually. We should nominate, uh, well, Tech still is going to get the win. Ayana should be nominated for wearing her uniform to the selection process and busting it out underneath her dress uh, or whatever she had cover up on over top of it. Uh, That definitely deserves a nomination, as does, we got to mention, Nehemiah's Brad outfit with the help of John A., uh, and some of her weave extensions being glued to his face to create a Brad-like beard, and then he does the stare and gets the hat real low and is walking around acting, doing his best Brad impersonation. And it should be said, Brad was very, you know, he found it to be wonderful and funny and loving. Uh, yeah, I, there was a part of me watching it that was like, is Brad going to be like, this seems a little disrespectful. It feels like you're making fun of me more than rooting for me. And you're only rooting for me because you want Derek out, but otherwise you'd be rooting against me too. Cause Derek and I are kind of allies and feels like you're mostly making fun of me. <laughs> um, so I think Nehemiah might've got away with that one. Um, but was a very fun and funny moment, uh, worth nominating for best fit, but tech gets the win over Nehemiah's Brad outfit and Ayana's, uh, Jersey underneath the cover up. So that's award number one. Number two, best moment. Um, bunch of nominees. Nehemiah looking into Letarian's eyes when Letarian's like, I need you to look me in my eyes and make that promise. And Nehemiah's like, great. I'll stare cross-eyed directly into your face from inches away. Everyone gets a laugh out of it. We at home get a laugh out of it. Though that, that little scene was a very, very fun little moment. Um, the whole the whole trivia challenge can be a nominee, but we'll single out MJ and Janelle's answers of New Orleans and Denny's uh, as being kind of the highlights of hilarity during the trivia challenge. Then we've got Casey and Steve revealing their plan for the Life Shields, Dakota and Jody. Just such a game changing move that I think that that moment of those two realizing that and being the first to realize Kahata and Jody that is of like ah shoot. 
I see what you did here, and now everyone can do that. Okay, so I guess this power is, you know, drop down a notch real quick. That was a big moment. Casey <laughs> asking another fourth nominee, uh, or well, fourth nominee, Ayana taking off and revealing the the outfit definitely gets nominated, as does the fifth and final nominee for the best moment of the episode was Casey uh, really taking taking her power to heart as you should when you get that win. And Derek has the gall to say, you know, I was sitting here, I had two life shields. I thought I was good. And Casey immediately cuts him off. Excuse me, your life shields. And someone needed to say it. It was best that it was came from Casey in that moment. That was absolutely hilarious. Of like, Derek, those, those weren't yours just because people in your Alliance had life shields. Don't mean you specifically had life shields. Um, very, very fun moment. I'm going to give the award, though, to MJ and Janelle's answers and the whole the whole trivia challenge. If if we do trivia and it's a good version of trivia, it's the best moment of the episode. Best quote, three nominees. The first one comes from TJ himself in trivia when we're rattling off Britney Spears' songs. Jasmine a little gets a little flustered, says, oops, I did it again, but someone's already said that, which TJ responds with his version of that song title. So take it away, TJ. Uh-oh, Jasmine, I don't like that face. Oh, God. Oops, I did it again. Oh, I said that already. Oops, she said the same answer again. <laughs> then we've got the moment we just mentioned a few times in a row, but Ayana, uh, in the in the moment of taking off that cover-up and revealing her uniform, the callback to sleeping in the uniform way back when on one of those early seasons of the challenge that she was on, she's got a quote about what your mentality has to be in this game. It's a good one. Let's hear that one from Ayana. It's Tom. 17 years ago in New Mexico. I slept in my uniform last night because I wanted to win today. But sometimes it takes a lot more than that. Sometimes your uniform has to be your mindset. So I was taking it up several notches. Third and final nominee then is Derek, who when upon going into elimination says that he's got to activate motherfucking mercenary mentality, which if you don't know, I think he might've even said it twice at some point during this. Um, if you're not aware, that is a, 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 a not a full on catchphrase, but it's something uh, Derek says decently often or has said in the past, and I believe he's even made t-shirts with it on it uh, over on his wonderful podcast, he and Scott Yeager's podcast, Challenge Mania. I'm sure you're well aware. The OG of Challenge Podcasters, at least kind of in my book, definitely always worth a listen. Great, great pod. Um, But they talk often about Derek's moment versus Joss back on, not Final Reckoning, Vendetta's coming in as a mercenary and having that epic elimination pole wrestle or crazy eight, whatever it was called, but pole wrestle with a, with an eight figure pole or whatever. Uh, that was when he, you know, activated mercenary mentality. So he's doing that again here and we'll hear him himself announce that activation. From the beginning, there was a target on my back and I got that motherfucking mercenary mentality. I want to come back and start taking them out one by one. Those are your three. I'm going to have to give it to TJ, the wit in the moment. The man is, the, is just such a great host. He's done these trivias over and over. He knows he's got the wit. He's got the humor. He's got the charm. 
pops that little line. Oops, she said the same answer again right in there. Just perfectly placed. That's your quote of the week. As for episode MVP, Steve, you get some votes. You did a good job. You won. You came up with some good strategy. That's all well and good. Nehemiah, you get a couple stray votes here, there, second and third place votes. Maybe slip in a first place vote. You did a lot in this episode. The Brad outfit the run in your alliance, the snooping on the other alliance, all good things. But the only person that's winning episode MVP, the overwhelming MVP of this episode is Casey. She not only conquers her fear, which uh, we did somehow did all this without mentioning Katie, or I guess we barely, 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 barely mentioned uh, Katie not willing to do the challenge. Katie, here's your way to avoid the heights. Casey gave you the blueprint. You just have to win then you don't get dropped. Then you don't got to worry about it. And you don't got to look behind you. You don't got to look at the height at all. Hats off to her. One handles TJ's roasting pre-challenge very well. He brings up, you know, Darrell, you don't like heights. Katie, you don't like heights. Casey, you've I've seen you quit. They play the clip of TJ roasting her in the past over quitting a heights-based challenge. She comes in, handles that like a champ's like, no, nah, I'm here to do this today. She wins. That's amazing. She's got a part of the strategy, too, that buys into the let's get rid of these life shields strategy. She shuts down Derek in the nominations. All of it is wonderful and great. Casey is your episode MVP. And with that, let's then move into those are all four of our awards. So let's talk power rankings. We got a shakeup in the power rankings after some folks that were in the top five previously went home. So let's talk about those next. With our power rankings, we are going to continue to male and female individual as we continue to feel like this game eventually there will be potentially two winners. And even if not, um, they are kind of competing as males and as females. So that's how we're going to do our power rankings. And again, this is based on partially who can make a final and who can win that final if they get there. Let's talk the females first where there's a bunch of movement. Our top three from last week does not change. Jody, Kendall, Janelle. Jody and Kendall both kind of as a pair and as two uh, athletically, um, you know, looking great on the female side of things. Feel like they're in a very powerful position. Janelle sliding in third because I think she's just playing that very proper under the radar. People don't totally realize how many different little alliances and connections I have. People don't necessarily realize how good I might be at a lot of these challenges. She's in third. Jeanne moves to fourth. Ayana moves to fifth, both previously unranked in our top five. One of our ranks, Katie, went home. The other, Tina, is bumped down a little lower. Jeanne also just feel like She's been way too prevalent and way too good on the social and political side to not be in this top five at this point of the game. And then Ayana as well, coming off two wins. I don't know who's going to beat her in an arena. So I feel like even if she's thrown in another time or two, she's probably going to win another time or two. So I feel like she's about to make this final. So she moves into the top five as well. Over on the male side, we're going with Brad remains number one in our mind. We mentioned before, he feels like he's just totally in the driver's seat. Nehemiah is in the second spot. Previously, he was tied with Derek, and we said whichever one of these wins the little battle between the two is the one we feel is in second spot on these power rankings. Nehemiah won that battle. Derek is no longer. So Nehemiah is now by himself in that number two spot. Number three stays the same. Kahuta still love everything about where he is at in this game. Darrell in fourth. Tyler in five. So honestly, other than Derek moving out of that tie and moving off the game completely, our male power rankings don't change at all this week. And if this is clearly an indication of where I feel like the 
one alliance, the Brad, Darrell, Kahuta, MJ alliance is going to prove to be a little bit stronger and more influential than Nehemiah's whole alliance. But I think Nehemiah is the one best positioned within his alliance to avoid any possible eliminations moving forward. And then I got Tyler there, my guy Tyler, mostly just out of personal bias of loving Tyler, but also feeling like he and Janelle uh, both are similar to Janelle, uh, not just because they both come from Key West, but playing that low-key game. We realized or saw in this episode his influence in the house of when he was the one who was like, all right, who do we put up against Derek that will for sure win a vote against Derek, who is himself relatively popular in this house, is like, oh, Tyler. All of the all of the women are voting for Tyler. At least half the guys will vote on Tyler's behalf. So he's clearly got some sway in the house. He's got plenty of friends. People want him there, want him around, and he's uh, you know he's he's got a lot to say in the physical department as well. So he rounds out the top five. So on the female side, last time Jody, Kendall, Janelle, Jeanne, Ayana. Male side, Brad, Nehemiah, Kahada, Darrell, Tyler. That's your power rankings. Let's talk predictions real quick before we wrap up. Prior to the season, we got who would go home first wrong, Steve and Sophia. Um, so those were initially wrong. Our first prediction, completely and utterly flat on our face, wrong. Our finalists, we predicted all 10, or we expect 10 possible finalists, and we make it another week with nine of those 10 left remaining, Ryan being the only one that has been sent home that we thought would make the final. Brad and Jody to win, that is still in play. So our, our prior to the season predictions are still looking fairly decent. As for our week-to-week predictions we make one a week we're doing pretty well so far first one we said on or in the water for 50 percent of the daily challenges this was the first one that was not so we're two out of three there um and life shield used at least 50 percent of the time we're now four for four we're at 100 percent currently and it feels like with this new strategy change uh they're gonna all eventually get used um for the most part so i'm feeling good about that one Darrell doesn't see an elimination so far so good And then my new one for this week to add in is I am going to add to the list that Key West duo, Tyler and Janelle, become the swing votes in the house. I feel like as well positioned as they are, they also are going to end up in that difficult spot of kind of being on both sides of everything, everyone liking them, not knowing 100% where they stand and being put in the position. I think there's going to be an episode where the two of them specifically are like, we don't know what's going on with the Key West two. We don't know where they stand. And it's really this next vote or this next deliberation or whatever is going to come down to them. Think that's going to happen. So that's our newest prediction to add to the list. And with that, We've predicted, we've power ranked, we've awarded, we've storylined, we've talked a whole bunch about this wonderful episode in this wonderful season. So that is where this podcast is going to end. We will be back next week with another three podcast week, our final week of double dipping on the challenge. We then have a couple weeks after that where we'll have reunion episodes of Spies, Lies, and Allies, or at least we assume, assume one, if not two, reunion episodes. But next week, the last one of the Spies, Lies, and Allies finale, episode five of All Stars. We'll have both of those recap podcasts. We'll have our Tuesday review preview podcast. Same thing we've been doing the last couple of weeks. We will do at least one more time. So three pods coming. Always, as always, hit that subscribe, follow button wherever you are listening. That helps us a bunch and helps you not miss any episodes. If you are someone that watches on YouTube, it doesn't cost you anything to hit that subscribe button there. It helps us out a bunch. Please do so. And thank you. And thank you so much for being here and listening. We will talk again very, very soon. Have a wonderful weekend, my friends. Peace.